This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, James Pearce, both home and away. He is very much still away. He's not even full-time anymore. Well, he's, he's kind of part-time. <laughs> oh, he's earned it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's all relative really, isn't it? Relative. Now, as you can tell from those two voices, I'm joined today by Echo's Christian Walsh. Hi, Christian. Hello, Ian. Also by Paul Ghost. Hiya, Paul. Afternoon, Ian. I'm coming back. I believe he was in last week's podcast. It's Dan Kay. Hi, Dan. Hello, Ian. How are you? All the better for seeing you, my friend. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, anyway, Liverpool fans are not very happy. And the reason for that is, of course, Christian Nabil Fekir. He is not joining Liverpool, certainly not anytime soon. Uh, I believe last Friday we uh, a podcast was recorded, which was rejoicing in the fact that Liverpool were on the verge of signing. They'd won the battle to sign him. He wanted to come to Liverpool. All of this is true. Did he read a deal? Did he even gone as far as I think, I think everybody knows from having seen the leaked images of doing an interview with him on the introductory interview on the Liverpool official website. Then Liverpool got the results in the medical, had a second look at it, then stepped away from the deal. And that's more or less it. I don't think that Liverpool are going to anytime soon go back in for him. So, I mean, what's your take on it all? It seems as though a lot of fans have gone into meltdown on social media, but they don't seem to realise, certainly some of them anyway, that these things happen, don't they? They do. I think, first of all, I found out that you never should do a podcast until somebody's leaning at <laughs> Melwood. Um, but secondly, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a strange situation, isn't it? Because I, I can't remember when a, a deal was pretty much done. I mean, I remember Loic Remy. I remember that was in uh, the summer of 2014. But he was coming as a, as a backup option, a, you know, a, a, a squad player. This is somebody who obviously Liverpool have, have put a lot of the money and scouting resource and interest in. He's, he's, he's clearly the man that Ian Klopp and the recruitment team decided to bring to Liverpool. Everybody's for the past week or so, since it's become clear that he was on his way to Liverpool, everybody has been doing their, you know, starting 11s, where's he going to fit in? Is he going to be in midfield? Is he going to be, you know, left wing, right wing? What's going to happen? And then for it to just happen, in the way it happened, first of all, on, on Friday, where we expected something and then nothing. And then on Saturday, where Leon come out with the statements, it's a blow for Liverpool. I think there's no two ways about it, but you know, it's, it's, it's our understanding that Liverpool didn't try and renegotiate a deal. There was no suggestion that they've gone back to, to the table with, with another bid or anything of that manner. So basically this is a decision that's been made. It, it's not one that would have been made lightly. Um, and now, ultimately, although I'm sure we will talk about Fakir both today and, and he will keep on cropping up, especially with the World Cup, I think Liverpool's stance now, and, and it has to be this, is that you're looking forwards, not backwards. I mean, Dan, a lot of Liverpool supporters, as Christian mentioned, they're not very happy with the way things have gone. They see it as though slightly embarrassing, but it isn't that, is it? I mean, they're also suggesting that because Liverpool haven't come out and made a statement saying why they've stepped away from the deal, that you know there might be something untoward about it all, but Liverpool never made it ever made a statement they were actually in for him in the first place. We just know because we know. Mm. You know, it doesn't always have to be put out through these official channels like that. No, and I mean, this, this is the way very much of the modern football transfer, isn't it? You know, we I think a lot of us were quite jubilant after the the signing of Fabinho because it felt very old school. Literally within hours of you know, I think less than two hours of the initial 
talk coming out that his deal was close, it was signed, sealed and delivered, and it was very much reminiscent of the deals that we all grew up with in the 70s, 80s, or in your case, and obviously even earlier. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, but Paul, you don't remember the 80s, yeah, do you? Say, no, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, sadly, that, these days, that very much is the exception rather than the rule. And football and supporters, and Liverpool supporters as much as anyone else, are used to these things being played out and analysed to the nth degree in print media, broadcast media and social media. Now, you know, none of us really know exactly what's gone on behind the scenes here, but if, while it obviously it was, it's, it was a disappointment to hear the news on Friday evening that this deal that we all expected to be very much, pretty much done and dusted um, had fallen by the wayside, should be remembered Liverpool, A, have already brought in Fabinho since the end of the season. Obviously, we've still got Naby Keita. Um, and, you know, to, to paraphrase... Um, the long-standing editor of the old Liverpool fancy through the wind and rain. If only, if, if only there was a big football tournament coming up with the best players in the world on show, that, so that we could maybe find a replacement. And there is. So you know, it's not like this has happened two no, days you before. Should, you should, you should never buy shuts. a player on the back of a good World Cup, though. We've done this. Well, you can say that. Either, you, know, you, you, you know, you can you can say that. It, it it can work both ways, can't it? Because you know, as we mentioned on Friday, Liverpool bought Diouf and Diaw ahead of the 2002 World Cup and we were all made up thinking oh well we've got a bargain here and that doesn't exactly go up, go to plan um, the, the, the bottom line as far as I'm concerned is that yeah it's not ideal but I don't think there's really any reason for too many supporters heads to be falling off just at this stage because we've still I mean obviously the window shuts earlier this year it's not the 1st of September it's what the 9th of August is it? It's the day before the season yeah, starts yeah. it's the Friday before the first league games so Liverpool still have two months to get their ducks in a row. So, you know, I think everyone just needs to kind of calm down a little bit and see what happens. Did you just say ducks in a row? I might have done, yeah. I think you may lose marks for using that Well, I'm that glad phrase. you're listening at least, Ian. That's good. <laughs> now, now, Paul, the one person that's uh, one thing that's got lost in all of this is the actual player himself because he obviously thought he was coming. He's obviously posed for the pictures and done all this, that and the other. And I think part of the reason why we're not learning exactly what's happened behind the scenes is the fact that if it does emerge that he's got a knee problem and a long-standing knee problem for him, that could affect him long-term in terms of his prospects of getting a move somewhere else because he'll always have he might have that hanging over him certainly in the immediate future. But for Leon as well, they don't want to make it public that one of their players has technically got a possible injury that that could hamper him and it, he'd lose value in that respect. And for Liverpool's point of view, they they don't want it out either for for those reasons because they may ultimately. Somewhere along the line, they may go back and try and sign him. Yeah, it's interesting because he, I think he made 40 appearances last season. I think he missed nine games through knee injury, which has basically become a running theme for Nabil Fakir over the last three years. season before, he played 49, um, but it was the year before when he had his, his serious uh, ACL injury. I think it was September 2015. He missed around about seven months of action. Um, so we fought back admirably from that, but it is that it's been a, a knee injury every season over the last three years. Now, if Liverpool are weighing up a fifty million pound deal, even in you know today's market where the prices are just so far removed from what any of us grew up like recognising as a big fee, fifty million pounds still puts Nabil Fakir as the you know the second most expensive player in Liverpool history. <clears throat> so if Liverpool are kind of weighing that up and, and taking the time over completing the deal, and Leon have, have pulled the rug out from underneath because they, they don't want the procrastination. Maybe maybe that's what's happened behind the scenes. Because it was Leon who initially came up with the statement, wasn't it, on, on Saturday evening? So maybe maybe that's what's happened. Um, maybe Liverpool will, will look to to move back in 
uh, after the World Cup, it, it remains to be seen. But it's um, with, with the injury, it, it is something that, that can't just be made on a whim. And maybe that's why Leon have, have basically got a bit fed up of, of waiting for it to be completed. Um, and I, I pull the plug. I mean, it's a bit of PR play, though, isn't it, Christian? I mean, Leon obviously were delighted with the fact that he clearly wasn't going anywhere, and they were they were rushing to get this statement out. Yeah, it's 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 a win for them, isn't it? Because this is just what you said there about you know the player. What what you know, I've got to remember that is that you know he has got feelings, and he did want to come to to Liverpool. You know, there was there was interest from elsewhere, but that, that, in some really... respects, that's where it is a little bit like the Van Dijk thing because mm. it was a battle for this player and Liverpool last time, perhaps. The, the, jumped the gun last year by it becoming known that, yeah, the, the, he, chose that he chose Liverpool. Liverpool. I mean, yeah. he obviously ended up going there eventually, and perhaps you know Southampton then were a little bit perturbed for anger. We haven't actually agreed a deal yet, and Liverpool have been very careful since then with all of their transfer dealings. So I don't think they can be blamed in that part. I mean, because they'd agreed the deal with Leon, everything was sorted with them, and obviously the medical, you know, it looks like from all the evidence point suggests that it's clearly brought up some kind of problem, and Liverpool have backed away from the deal. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, Jean-Michel Ula does not, however you pronounce his surname, does not need a second invitation to to grandstand. Does he? You know, you've seen what what he did with Lacazette and what he did with um, SCN SCN back in two thousand five. So it's you know, there's no surprise that that Leon came out with the you know the way they did just dropped it. You know, nobody was expecting mm. that. Not least any of us on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, but, but, I was know. off. I was loving yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> we were all off. Um, but you know, I think with the Van Dijk one, obviously Liverpool wanted to sign him anyway, and 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 they wanted them because they needed the centre back. And but I do feel like there was a little bit of a feeling of obligation from Liverpool's part to to not just abandon the player after what had happened over the summer. I do feel like there was there was that real sort of you know. We'll, don't worry, we, we will come back for you. Sort of, I don't, 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 don't lose heart with Fakir. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Well, I just that, don't. That, that, that's interesting. You should say that because we're all led from what we know is that Liverpool scouting for the best part of an entire season. Certainly, since they knew Coutinho was perhaps going. Because mm. let's face it, he nearly went yeah. last summer, yeah. so they would have known what was going on. That's the entire part of the reason why they were looking at Lamar as well, which we'll come on to him a bit later. But. They'll have looked at him, they'll have known, they'll have been in some kind of contact with Leon or, or whoever. So they'll have been convinced this is the way they need to go and they'll have done all the hard work and then for them to get to this stage, it's a blow for them as well, isn't it? Because now they've got to go back to the drawing board, especially given that we know that Manuel Lanzini was somebody else that they were looking at. And now he's somebody who, you know, last week, poor lad, he's done, done his crucial and it looks like it's a really bad mm-hmm. one as well. Yeah, so it's, it really is back to the drawing board in terms of, you know, Liverpool have had this lined up, and and you know, let let's not be around the bush. It's not um, it's not as if Fakir has been offered something on the Wednesday and on the Thursday. He's gone. Actually, you know what? You're right. I fancy Liverpool. This has obviously been worked upon for a while. Liverpool are you know for all the criticism they're getting on the back of this, and for for all the the desire to hear people. You know, for people to go in on on the club and the structure and the hierarchy and FSG and and, and how they do business, there's clearly a, a long term plan there. There's a long term vision. There is a there's a clear sort of okay. So this happens and then that happens and now what? The problem with this now is that you know this was an unforeseen plug being pulled on the deal. Um, Jürgen Klopp were the force. I'm getting into the World Cup because they wanted the deal completed before the World Cup. They were very, you know, Michael Edwards went was in Paris on Thursday to make sure this was over the line. 
There was the breakthrough in negotiations. It looked for all intents and purposes that Klopp had got exactly what he wanted. There's two new midfielders before the World Cup. And now it, it is almost back to the drawing board because how many... We know what Klopp wants from a player. We know what... You know, we know the type of player they're scouting. But how many can do what Fakir can do? You know, we've seen what he does in terms of compromising. He didn't compromise on Van Dijk. And that was because I think we we all had that little inkling that whether it was January or this summer, he would go back and, and, and bring him to Anfield with Fakir. I don't know if that's if that's the case. I, 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 you know, if, if it is some, you know, a doubt over his knee, then why would those doubts be be, be erased in, in six months, 12 months' time? So, for me, it really does feel like this is new territory for Liverpool because it really, under, under Klopp in, in, you know, in recent years, and it's going to put this idea that you know, the recruitment team have done really well to the test because now they've pretty much got to go back to square one and say, right, we've got to find this this lad who can play central midfield, he can play a little bit out wide and he can be the creative force like Philip Coutinho was. I mean, Dan, does this underline the wisdom of Liverpool doing their business early this <coughs> summer then? Because I wrote something yesterday basically saying the one thing that they've got right is they've, because they've tried to get it all done so soon is if it did go wrong, as it has mm-hmm. done, that's given them, you know, they've still got another two months to well, find somebody and buy somebody. Well, exactly, and that's why I can't really understand if some supporters are going mad at the club and, and starting criticising this, that and the other, because, like you say, it, this at least does give Liverpool the chance to go back to the drawing board, have a sit-down, work out a plan B, a contingency plan. Um, and, it's, and it's the fact as well, sorry to interrupt, that the other teams haven't signed their players either, so all of the players are yeah, still available as well, aren't they? Exactly, so it's, it's not like all of a sudden Liverpool are behind the eight ball. Yeah, obviously we were looking forward to, to and anticipating a situation where Liverpool would have actually been ahead of the curve if we'd been able to get um, Fakir in and, and over the line. But I mean, you know, fans can't have it both ways. I mean, I've heard plenty of people kind of bemoan the fact that you know Adam Lallana has hardly had a kick this season because you know he can't seem to shake off this injury. And you know we've seen in the past when Liverpool have signed players with injury concerns, probably Alberto Aquilani would be one of the most noticeable. notable recent examples of that where arguably, certainly with the benefit of hindsight, you can say, well, maybe they didn't do enough due diligence on the player and it came back to haunt them. So, and particularly, obviously, with, with the scale and the level of this kind of outlay, um, you, 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 you can't bemoan the fact that you know, we don't seem to have players who are robust or strong enough. Obviously, particularly for the way that Jurgen Klopp's teams play with this real, very high physical intensity that as we saw, particularly in his first full season, when maybe the, the squad wasn't rotated sufficiently, it really kind of came back to haunt them. Last season, with the benefit of more rotation, by and large, with you know a thinnish squad, held the course pretty well right to, right towards the end of the season. So I kind of think you know it, it's disappointing. Yes, I don't think anybody associated with the club expected this or wanted this to happen the way it has done. But I think you've got to be realistic, and there's no point being dogmatic and. Sticking to it, saying, "Well, he's the he's the guy we set our hearts on. We'll just hope for the best that his injury isn't too bad." It doesn't work like that with a fifty million pound footballer. So, it's you know, it's not ideal, but I think you know, people just need to clear their heads and trust in you know the fact that, as we've said a few times in recent weeks, the manager and his recruitment team, by and large, have got things pretty much have got a lot more right than wrong in the last few years. And I think we have to be able to trust them to handle this difficult situation as well as they can and take the club forward. I kind of think Liverpool fans should be excited at the moment. Like, obviously, the Fakir deal has fallen through, but they know now that their club is in the market for a big money attacking midfielder 
Uh, and they're the type of signings that get you off your seat, aren't they? Definitely. You know, the creative players who score goals and they've got the, the tricks and, and the skills and all that. So Liverpool now, <clears throat> Liverpool fans can kind of sit back this summer and just get excited about who it might be, who the replacement might be, because they know it's going to be, you know, one of the most expensive signings in their history. There's excitement, but I also think there's a just a slight degree of <clears throat> caution because it's just because of what happened with Van Dijk and, yeah. and, and, and Klopp's sort of refusal, you know, no, we're not going to get a centre back. You know, we are not, we are not doing this. This is, I am happy with my, uh, my options. Obviously, we know what happened with that eventually, but with Fakir, I think there might just be that slight worry that Klopp now goes, well, it's okay because Alex Oxley Chamberlain mm. will be back in November and the man will be fully fit. That leads then we'll to, to another question then. Did they really need to do that then? Did Do they need to bring somebody in to replace Well, this is, the, this is the question. Well, they, well, yes, they do. But but ultimately, if there's, if somebody hasn't got the skill set of, of Fakir or, or close enough, then, you know, the, the, what another problem here as well is that when they go to the negotiating table now for a player, that's it, that team's going to know that Liverpool are not necessarily desperate, but what's happened with Fakir and that they've A, got 48.4 million yeah. in the back pocket for the start, and B, there's, uh, you know, there's, there is, there's an obvious desire that they need to get this type of player in. But then the alternative to that is, they'll have known they've got the money anyway, because everybody knows that Liverpool are a team with all that money from Felipe Coutinho's move to Barcelona, what was 142 million? Mm. But they'll have also seen that Liverpool will walk away from any deal if it's not 100% what yeah, they want. That's true, yeah. Good point. Yeah, so don't be taking the, the Michael. Well, exactly, yeah. because they'll just go, right, well, if we... You know, if we'll get as far as even getting him on our club official website ready to go, and we'll still say no, we don't yeah. want to do it. That's nothing against Fakir. That's just Liverpool now are in a position where they can be strong enough with their dealings because they've got the, as Dan said, the trust of the fans in terms of that. I mean, which is why I th- I agree with you, Dan, on that. I don't understand why so many fans are, yeah. are getting so upset about it. It's not like it's not as if it's the first time it's happened that. You know, the players have failed medicals. It's just, as I think Christian, you said before that it's such a big deal and it got so close. But how close do you want it to get? The medical well, is I mean, always the last I thing, mean, anyway, Re- isn't Remy it? Remy was close. Exactly. Remy, the, Remy was really yeah, close. It's the, it's the last thing. And if you've got fifty million pounds, I'm sure if you said somebody, you know, spend ten thousand pounds of your own money on a car, and then you know that the engine might, you know, conk out after about ten minutes, and you'd be like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, it's, it's. I tell you what. What else is interesting though? Now we, we we spoke about this on Friday in terms of shifting priorities and you know if Liverpool can't find this this Coutinho replacement you know I'll just throw a few names let's say Lanzini was fit but he's not but let's say there was Lanzini and they don't want to pay 50 million for him this uh, Hakim Ziyech of Ajax he seems similar to to what Fakir can do if not necessarily on that level let's say Ajax you know demanding £60 million for him do we then see Liverpool sort of say well we'll have to park that we might get a cheaper alternative in there a body and then we'll have to go bigger on somebody out wide. So you know, instead of Shakiri or Simon, who you know still might be, who still might come, do we then say Pulisic, Draxler? Zaha. That's where Zaha. Yeah. That's yeah. where our sixty million is going I'm, to. I'm glad you mentioned Oxlade. You mentioned Oxlade Chamberlain because he's somebody you you have to assume he isn't going to play again this year. And even if he does play, it's right towards the end of the year mm. because he's he's got this injury. He's somebody else that needs replacing. And Lalana, we don't know whether he's going to be fully fit for the start of the season because he's had so long out. And he's knocking on 30 now, yeah. hasn't he? And Milner's, oh, okay, he's slightly different position, but again, he's somebody who's getting a little bit older. So, so there is, I think Liverpool they do, do, they do need, they do need this. And I know they've already got Fabinho in, but he is more of a defensive player. But Kate, Chan they got Emery Chan's gone, but Cater's replacing him. Mm. They do actually need somebody. So you mentioned one or two names. That leads on to the 
who on earth then, Paul, can they get in? For for Kia replacements? Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I think you wrote a piece yesterday, you, you named a couple of players, uh, the likes of Christian Pulisic, who's a little bit more of a wide man, um, as is Wilfred Zaha. Uh, Julian Draxler was one that you mentioned, wasn't he? Um, now, I, I'd, I'd personally like love to see him at the pool. don't think he's particularly... Um, Good. I don't think his reputation soared since he's moved to PSG, but you know he is a very talented German international. But again, he, he plays more more on the, of a wide left position. So um, I, I think the option is quite scarce in terms of that central option. You know, in the midfield three, at, where Philip Coutinho was moved last season. Um, so it's it, it is anyone's guess at this stage, I suppose. Is it, sorry, sorry, I was going to say this position. I remember about 15, 16, 17 years ago, Dan will back me up on this, that mm. this was always the number 10 position when Jared Houllier always wanted to play, and it, I always deemed it as the position of no responsibility. It was somebody who played in front of the yes, Smita, Kewel, all yeah. of those kind of players. They, all, they seemed to be loads of them. And now, Post the, now yeah. the role has changed slightly, certainly with Liverpool, is because they need someone who's going to be, as I think one of you said about being robust and... Somebody's gonna got the legs and is able to, you know, put in the shift and have that creativity. Coutinho was, remember, he wasn't that when he first joined Liverpool. He got moved and made he into made that. In the last six yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, 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 yeah. He worked very hard to kind of change his game to like chase down the fullbacks yeah. when they were in possession, and, and that was something that was very noticeable once once Klopp came in. But when he first arrived under Brendan Rodgers, he, he was nowhere near that, that type of, of runner. I mean, there are players there. You say Lalana, you say Oxlade Chamber. Both of them could do the job, but for reasons we've just mentioned, then might not be able to. Henderson can go push forward, but he's not in the creative no, same level yeah. as those as those two players. So that's where he started his career. But I think he's become more of an overall midfielder. So it then becomes a question: is, Could Liverpool change their tactics? Do they really want to change their tactics if they don't get the player? Bear in mind, they know they've got at least one that's going to come back next season. At no, some point. I, I don't think they can change the tactics. I think it has to be a case of... Could it be a case of then changing the player? I think as Paul's just said then about Draxler, somebody who started out wide, Coutinho started out wide. You've got Pulisic, you've got Lamar as another one, Thomas Lamar of, of, of Monaco, someone they were interested in last year. These are all players who are wide. Can they go central? Because the example of somebody who looks like can't go central, according to Germany anyway, is Leroy Sané who last week we were all amazed at the fact he didn't make it into the Germany squad. But apparently the reason is that he plays more centrally for Germany and because he's more, he's got more problems coming from either side of him. If you're on the wing, obviously one half of your game is the crowd, so they're not going to bother you too much trying to tackle you. might want to put you off. But if you're central, you've got more of the game to have to look at, and I think that is it was an issue for him. Well, funny you say Sane, because then there's Julian Brandt, who's kept mm. him out, who's kept him out, and somebody who Liverpool were interested in last summer. There's definitely the we we know Klopp and and his coaching staff can change people. He had James Milner as a left back for for a year. He's converted Genie Wijnaldum from a, a Rover number ten into this sort of goal scoring goal. player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's, Loves what? a goal in Rome, um, you know. So he's done, you know, even even a player like Roberto Firmino. I mean, is is that an option? I wouldn't want to see that personally. But does Roberto Firmino drop in and become a number eight, and then they go after a, a top class centre forward instead, like a Timo Werner? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that was a possibility. No. But, but could do that. But is that yeah. is that an, you know is it an option? Um, so it is interesting if, if there is nobody who. The thing with the thing with Jurgen Klopp's eyes is that you do feel like everything is planned to the nth degree, despite this idea that it's all chaotic, yeah. it's organised chaos, mm. and he knows exactly what he wants and what skill set he wants from each and every one of those players on that pitch. So 
if there is somebody like like Fakir who does who, who he can't if there's nobody who can do what Fakir was going to be able to do then I just don't think he'll say oh go on then we'll put £30 million on him because it's just not how he operates now there's a player who just this weekend came out and said oh, I wouldn't mind playing for Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp and that's Mario Goetze down well, yes, you did just see me. Yes, jo- I did. Yes, because <laughs> I think we both saw the similar type of uh, reports over the weekend. I mean, just when we were talking about then, I was thinking if I get asked who should we, re- who would I recommend for this position? And to be honest, I'd be struggling to think of someone. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm as up on top European talents as, as you boys are these days. But obviously, Goetze is extremely well-known player. Came to prominence under Klopp in his time at Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, scored the winner for Germany in the last World Cup final four years ago. Um, I remember taking rather a dim view of him, where, just the <laughs> kind of the way he went about his business when in the build-up to the 2013 yeah. Champions League final between Dortmund and Bayern Munich, and he basically said he was going to sign for Munich in the build-up to the final between the two teams, which felt a bit Plus said he really. cried, didn't he? said he, yeah. he cried when he yeah. found that out. I mean, it, it's, it's, that, that's, it, that's, not an, that's not an uncommon feature in modern football. but Crying? Well... Well, that that as well, but 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 particularly, you know, that kind of uber ambition and what some would say lack of standards in terms of loyalty to your, to your current team and support and whatever. Um, but the bottom line is, he's, you know, he's a top level player, and I think one of the things that I've always admired about Jurgen Klopp, and I always kind of like the idea in principle, is that taking, I mean, I mean, slightly before my time, possibly even before Ian's. But most Liverpool fans worth their salt will know the experience of how Ray Kennedy was signed for Liverpool as a centre forward for Arsenal, and Bob Paisley converted him into being one of the best left-sided midfielders in Europe. And I often think there's some, often some of the greatest success stories are when a manager and a player just seem to strike upon a solution that works. So someone like Goetze or someone of his ilk could be an option for Liverpool, whether you know if they if they need to potentially think a little bit outside the box. I mean, there are players who can play in that role, but unfortunately, they're all a very expensive or b very much at other clubs. You look at there's a guy at Chelsea called Aiden Hazard, who you'd think hmm. he's absolutely ready-made for that. Could you see Liverpool making a bid for him? No, because Chelsea would never sign for him and, and sell him. And I don't think Hazard would ever move to another Premier League club. There are players out there. Do you feel then that? Replacing Coutinho is almost impossible in terms of like for like. It will require a little bit of a change because let's face it, Coutinho was the, is it the third most expensive footballer mm. in history. I think well behind Mbappe and, and Neymar. I mean, you, they're not just going to appear out of nowhere, are they? No, no. Um, replacing someone of, of Philip Coutinho's ability was always going to be a, a difficult task for Liverpool, wasn't it? Um, they obviously felt that they'd identified the man who was going to do it in, in Fakir. And now, as Christian said, it's back to the drawing board. So, it's we've we're scouring the the websites, aren't we, at the moment, and saying, you know, who's available, what what kind of uh, central attacking midfielders could Liverpool attract? As you say, all the all the top ones have, have uh, taken, aren't they? So, it, it may require a bit a bit of creativity in the in the transfer markets, and you know, maybe trying to sign someone who isn't as as a household name at the moment who who develops and turns into the top class talent. Uh, but that all comes down to Klopp and, and what he can see in, in certain players. Personally, Mario Goethe, for me, I, I think he's stagnated a lot since he scored the, the winning goal in the World Cup final four years ago. Um, and certainly he's got a history of injuries as well. He, he was out with, it was it a digestive problem last, Metabolic, last season? something Metabolic, was it, yeah. yeah. yeah um, so he's another one who'd have question marks over that medical if it, if it came that far. Um, so th- that is the, the task in front of Liverpool at the moment, you know. 
identifying someone to, to fill the gap of Coutinho, who, who, let's face it, was arguably Liverpool's best player before he, he left in January. Well, he, he is a case in points that Paul just mentioned in. They only got him for eight and a half million, and he was somebody. Wouldn't say he was on the scrappy, but he was somebody who, who was you'd argue, had his last chance of of making it at that high level. And even then, Liverpool weren't at the the level that they are now. He helped them get to that level because that's how good he is. So this is why it's going to be so difficult to replace him. And again, we come back to the fact that Liverpool, for the best part of nine months, six months certainly, had identified the guy that they wanted, got it all done, and almost dusted. And then and then this happened. So. For all the fans, you know, being up in arms and being upset, there's nothing compared to a what the player thinks, as we mentioned. And also Liverpool, because now they've seen with Lanzini as well, two of the possibly top targets for this position have gone. Yeah, exactly, and it, it really does feel like there's there's going to have to be a bit of creativity on 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 some some level of it because you know Liverpool have got this Liverpool have got this conundrum now where they can't go into they can't go into this. The, They've got they've got one or two choices, so they can either overspend on a player that they don't necessarily race as much as they raced for Kia, for example, or they can maybe try and do a Coutinho, you know. And I'm sure that there will be players of of of, of a similar level that Coutinho was when he was at Inter Milan, and then you again take that chance of developing them. The thing about Fakir is that it felt like while he wasn't the finished product, it felt like he was he was close to it. He was already in the France international squad. He was their captain, wasn't their he? Their captain. He scored 23 goals in in, 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 a, in a proper, a real breakout season. Kisiria was a kid when he arrived. Exactly. Yeah. So, so he had the, so this, so Fakir had the character exactly. and the talent. Your, and, 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 and the European experience. I mean, I know Coutinho played, but he, he was five years old than what Coutinho was when he came. It just felt, so you've got one or two choices. I know which one would be the better long-term one, but, if you're looking at Liverpool now, and, and I think we said on Friday before this all fell through, it feels like everybody at the club now is, is working towards that goal of winning the Premier League title. It feels like everybody has got this real intent to make a real serious go of establishing, re-establishing Liverpool as an absolute force in European football. The sign of Fabinho helps with that and the sign of Fakir would have gone even further. It now depends on whether Liverpool want to sort of, and it's not regress, that's not the right word, but whether they want to revert to, well, we'll buy a player, we'll try and develop him, we'll see if he can fit in. He mightn't bring the results that we desire in the first 18, 24 months, but in the next, you know, in three, four years' time, this player will be a real player. Whether that will help them now, because it really does feel like strike now, the iron, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Liverpool have got a real whole wave of momentum behind them in terms of how they are perceived in terms of how they are playing it just feels like there's a real dilemma there for the for the club because they can either make that statement a Draxler somebody like that even if he doesn't necessarily fit in the way Fakir would have fitted in or do they take the longer term approach of saying we'll get somebody who maybe in 2020 2021 will be at the Fakir level I know which one is better long term and I think it's the the, the, the Coutinho type signing but I think is this Liber- person's name Christian Pulisic, by the way. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think I think I think Pulisic has got to be the man now. I think I don't know if they could convert him. He can play central. He can play through the through the middle. Whether they could convert him into a number eight, I don't know. But he's nineteen, so he could be anything. Well, he, he plays he yeah, plays central. He plays centrally for America, doesn't he? Because apparently they haven't got any other yeah. options really. So it's not as if he hasn't played that. And it's with all of these players. If they're good players, they can play he's anywhere. A, he's a bit of 
bit, yeah. of, bit of both worlds that as well because you are getting somebody who's obviously he played in every Champions League game they played this season. <clears throat> he's 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 his he, he's, he's game time in the Bundesliga you know moved up massively again. Um, I think he featured in 32 games this season, played a lot more minutes than he did this, the previous campaign. But he's also somebody who could develop. So for me, that is sort of the best of both worlds in the sense that it's a player who can come straight in, but he can also develop. But the good news is for, on that that kind of point as well is Liverpool don't need someone to come in and hit the ground running because they're not crying out for a, a new star. You know, they've got the, the best forward line in Europe. They basically took them to, to within an inch of European Cup number six. So Liverpool have got the time to to develop someone in that kind of role and, and you know just just watch them basically realise their full, full potential. But it just feels like to me that they could do with somebody who is ready to hit the ground running because I don't think. Liverpool have been better prime for a tilt of the title than yeah. next season for a long, long time. And I think also as well, supporters have that expectation now of where we are. This isn't Liverpool in 2013 where Brendan Rodgers is in his first full season bedding down foundations or whatever. There is quite rightly an expectation that Liverpool will continue and develop the progress of the last three years. So even if I think you know there is, you know, I think supporters will have a certain element of patience because... Jurgen Klopp's methods have proven their worth in the last three years. I think it's also a case of we don't really want another. You know, we can't really afford another season or two of treading water or waiting to develop. It, things need to kind of kick on and push forward. And as much as we don't like to talk about it, Pulisic would represent a big name in America, wouldn't it? And it'd be good for the commercial side of it. Huge, like absolutely huge. He's 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 going to be a star. He already is a star, but. Yeah, you know, you can't really discount that sort of thing. He's, it's you know, it's the old cliche, and it doesn't actually really work anymore. But his share sales alone would would wait yeah. for the transfer fee. It doesn't when it's sixty odd million pounds, of course. But it doesn't. You if know, your name's Alexander Allen, and you're paying for it by the letter. Well, well unless, unless he's doing it for you. What a story that is. But yeah, it's everything about the Pulisic. You know, I've been on the Pulisic train for a while. Yeah, we've been trying to get you off it for some time. <laughs> um, but I'm still I'm still forging ahead with it. I just think he's probably the one who ticks both of those boxes and obviously Klopp knows them as well uh, Final thing then well certainly in terms of transfers um, Alisson he has been speaking and he said that he hopes to get his um, future sorted this week I mean what what are we thinking Paul from that what does that mean does that, that doesn't mean anything does it really let's be honest It was interesting because he said he, he wants it all resolved uh, before the World Cup starts and uh, hopefully it will be so it, it doesn't give anyone much time to, to get anything done I think that might have just been kind of uh, a nudge at Ro- Roma's direction and if he's, if he's after a new contract who knows or, or it um, could be a shut up I'm fed up answering this question I'll just yeah. answer it in a different way then you can <laughs> stop asking me while the World Cup's on maybe M- maybe that's part of it his focus will, will clearly be on you know trying to win um, the World Cup for Brazil only for the next the next month so you know whatever is is floating around for his long term future, he wants it done and dusted, sharpish. Um, whether that materialises into a, a transfer to Liverpool, I, I, I highly doubt. I mean, Dan, do you think there could be a deal done with anybody before the World Cup? Shakiri, there's some suggestion that that could be getting close. I mean, I mean, you can understand the appeal for for players, for clubs, for agents, for supporters, if they can of getting a deal done before the World Cup starts, but it's now Monday, the World Cup starts on Thursday. So we are down into literally the last couple of days, and I think the window of opportunity of getting these things over line, particularly bearing in mind most of the players now are, if not in Russia, on route to Russia and in training camps, it makes it very difficult and unlikely, but not impossible. Right, I think that should do us then. That's it for this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. Join us later this week where we will look ahead to... 
James Pearson not being here. Yes, and also to so the World, World Cup. Cup. And the fixtures. And the fi- oh, yeah, the fixtures, oh, yeah, fixtures, yeah, the fixtures, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, I can exclusively Thursday, reveal, Thursday, by the Thursday. way, that Liverpool will play Everton twice, home and away. Groundbreaking. More of that next week. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.